discipleship, big umbrella. Scott's going to kind of do this because this is his area. I'm going to ask a few questions. Then we're going to kind of land on small groups. And I want to say in advance, our goal for each of you is to be in a small group, okay? That is our goal. We're talking today about small groups. We have sign-ups for small groups, not because we think it's cool and fun, but because we believe in them and believe that God wants each of us to get into a small group for the purposes we're going to talk about this morning. So, Scott, why don't you begin and just talk about adult discipleship, our goal behind it, uh, and kind of what we're looking to do here. Yeah, and, and I guess the real quick answer, the simple answer for this, because I think we're going to go into more in a minute, is, uh, is you know, adult discipleship here is, is, if you were here last year, you heard us use this language real life all the time. And uh, it's what we understand vintage is here for, you know, transformation, but to lead people into their real life. And, and how we define that term real life is that, you know, to lead you and to be led into the life that God created us to have, to be who God created me to be and to do what God created me to do. Right. And we've all kind of grown and experienced life that's probably led us away from that. You know, that's the story of the of sin in the garden. But ultimately, Christ came that we might have the life that he created us to have with him. And so leading people and walking with one another into our real life of being who God created us to be and doing what God created us to do. And that's the goal. And that's the purpose of why we're coming around discipleship. So doing what God's called us to do. Be who God created us to be. So talk about then, that's what a disciple is. Jim, just talk for a minute just to, about what that disciple is for us and kind of just the, the nature, what it looks like. Yeah, so as Steve and I have talked about this really for the last three years, you know, we've, we've moved to this place of really identifying what is a disciple and then, you know, getting to the place where we can identify discipleship. But what is a disciple is I've asked a lot of different people. It's been interesting at how why the variety of defining a disciple is kind of in in the church and so narrowing that down and, and giving a kind of a statement of what we see biblically a disciple to be is is very different than what you and i have probably grown up knowing and experiencing in our culture where really in our culture everything focuses around information and learning and so being a disciple is different than being an apprentice it's different than being in a mentored relationship it's different than being in a class and being a good student you know, our education system is, is, is one that it's about information and being able to gain information, retain inf- information and give away that information. You know, and so if you've got a high school degree, you, you, you understand that piece. You need to retain this information, pass the test and hopefully be able to teach somebody else something in this piece. Being a disciple in Jesus day was something very different than being a student. It was very different than being apprentice. To be a disciple in Jesus' day, as, as we see and as we look into Scripture, it meant not just to learn what Jesus knew and to be able to gain the information. It meant to become like the person that you were following. So Jesus, as this rabbi, he called these people to come follow him and be his disciples. And to them, that meant I'm packing up everything I have and I'm giving my life to be transformed into the image of this man in every way. So I'm living with him. I'm learning how he teaches and what he's doing and and the very heart and soul of who he is, because that's what I want to become like. And that's what being a disciple means for you and for me as well, is it's not just enough to learn the information or to be able to study and know your Bible. It's about experiencing the transformed life and living your life to become like Christ. And that's what we understand and what we're defining a disciple to be. 
at, at Vintage. Yeah, and I think the picture, and I think you'll understand this, is the greatest picture of discipleship uh, and becoming a disciple really is parenting your children. And the last thing you'd ever want your child to say at the end of their life is, yeah, I've gained all the information my parents have for me, but never be transformed, hopefully, into our likeness of convictions and and love and affection and compassion, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Our, our goal as parents is to, to raise our children to, be, to hopefully be shaped into who we are, not just what we know. And so that's what Scott's getting at here in this kind of this family language is that Jesus, that we are leading people into not just information, knowledge, but into transformation into Christ's likeness. So it's good. All right. So with that, Scott, let's talk about then these, we talking about the three circles, mm-hmm. but these three specific ways, and you can kind of use the circle language would be helpful okay. for us this morning. Uh, this, the three, the three ways. And so here's the thing, the three things that we have committed to right. at vintage to, to dive into adult discipleship. Yeah. So, so these three circles are, are, are small groups, which is what we're spending our time talking about this morning, uh, DNA groups and disciples groups. And so um, small groups are, you know, you can simply walk out in the lobby or you can go online and sign up to be in a group for 10 weeks this fall, right? It's a wide open, it's a big circle. We want everybody to try to come and connect in that. And we'll talk about why in a minute. Um, DNA groups are, are a much smaller circle. They're, they're, they're a group of three or four, you know, people, the same gender that come together and the DNA stands for something to there's, there's, there's peer discipleship, there's nurturing and there's accountability, right? So that you're, you're encouraging and, and leading people to the truths of Scripture of how to apply, you know, the transformation and, and move toward the transformation that God wants in your life, you know, to be more like Him. And nurturing, encouraging each other along the way in that. And then accountability. And, and accountability for, for a lot of people sounds like a really negative word. But the way we define it is accountability is 90% encouragement and 10% correction. I mean, Steve and I have been, been friends for coming up on 20 years now. And we've been in an accountability group, you know, together and we still hold each other accountable to things. But, you know, it's it's 90 percent encouragement. And most of the time, that's all that you need. That's what you that's that's all, actually what we want. Right. But thank God that if I, if there's ever the time that I need that correction, I know that Steve will give me that. And it, it needs to be there that our life can't go off on the deep end or make a really bad decision or move in, in a in an unhealthy direction. But, you know accountability uh and that having that level of community with people is incredibly life-giving right and then finally discipleship groups so um the way we're doing discipleship groups is going to look a little bit different according to who's leading it and that's we'll we'll unpack that some other sunday but uh, in the discipleship group that um i'm doing and that i just wrapped up is i invited a group of this last group we just ended about three weeks ago of five men uh, to be in my group and I, and my phone call with them and conversation with them said, look, I'm inviting you to be in my group and we're going to meet for a year, one morning a year for, and at early in the morning, and I'm going to just invest and pour into you for a year. And at some point during this year or at the end of this year, you know, you're going to start investing into and pouring into other men and discipling them. And, uh, and that's the invitation. Is that something you want to be a part of? And, and, Interestingly enough, each of these guys that I asked, you know, said yes. And now they're looking to go pour into other men. And and but it's all about becoming like Christ. And um, so that is an invitation kind of only group. You know, that's the way Jesus did it. He said, hey, you, 
you know, come and follow me. And so if you're interested in being in a discipleship group, you know, um, give me your name and I add you to the list of the things that those people are praying over. But this is something that will grow um, in, as we uh, as we continue on more and more groups at, at Vintage. Perfect. So you've got you guys begin to see that our our mechanism for adult discipleship is entry point of small groups, which allows you to build a relationship, moving into DNA groups, you intentionally intentionally people you connect with. And then this intentional investment into the, like life-on-life discipleship of being invited into something. So with our primary focus this morning being on small groups, we're going to kind of dive into this first circle. So, Scott, why don't you share our philosophy of small groups? Because here's the point, and I want all of you to hear this. How many of you have ever been involved in some level of small group before at other churches maybe? Just raise your hand real quick. Okay. So here's the problem. I say small group, and you automatically know what that means from your past church, right? And so that church had a philosophy of how they do small groups. That then kind of lays over what's going on at Vintage, and we have a different philosophy. So if you take this philosophy, try to apply it to our philosophy, they don't mix, then all of a sudden you get frustrated or have unmet expectations in the context of your small group. So what we want to do this morning is we want you kind of to erase or at least um, disconnect for a season, right, Uh, just the reality of past small groups and kind of dive into as if they were fresh and new for the very first time what small groups are here at Vintage. And so Scott's going to now kind of lay out what the philosophy looks like for vintage small groups. Yeah, and and Steve knows, I mean, anybody that spent any time with me knows I could talk about this for a week, but I'm going to try to just boil it down in just a few minutes. And, and I'll hold you accountable to that, Scott. Yes, thank you. 90% encouragement, though, right? Because you're awesome. Yes. And really good looking and funny. Now you're And lying. a great golfer. That's not, okay. Um, so, in, in reality, this, the... I don't believe that New Testament Christianity can exist outside community. God himself exists in community. It's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit make up who we know to be God. And what we will experience as we see in Jesus' prayer in John 17, he said, Father, may they be one just as you and I are one. Let them share in the glory that I had with you before you sent me, right? That we get to become one with God in Christ through the Holy Spirit. And there is this communal peace in Christianity that we are called to. And what I see as a pastor is that the enemy loves to lead people into isolation, but the spirit of God is always leading people into community. How can you fulfill the challenge and the opportunity of the New Testament and love your neighbors yourself if you only know them at a surface level relationship? There have to be at least some that we enter in and do life with And when we do that, in in Rebecca and I's case, we had a group of people that were a small group that met for for five years together. And we became a family. I mean, they are are still family to this day. We still talk to most of them on a regular basis, even after three and a half years of being here. And it was one of the most life-giving things. We never had to challenge anybody or ask anybody, why didn't you show up this week? Because they just got busy and didn't want to come. When you experience chemistry... In a group of people that you're moving in community with, it is an incredibly life-giving experience to the point that it quickly raises to the top of the line of the agendas for the week and priorities. 
because it's a life-giving thing because God moves. He is, he, he, he is community and he moves within community. And a lot of, one, of the, one of the great misnomers that I've understood as I've grown up in the Western church is that, you know, I grew up kind of understanding that my Christian life was about me and God. And, you know, and I feel good with me and the big man. We're all good, right? And, and that's just not biblical. You know, I see this reality flowing through through the Bible, uh, and it's like when you turn into the New Testament, it's like picking up a magnifying glass and seeing this. There's this inclusive language where everything starts to become us and we. There's no me and I in the New Testament perspective of what life is to look like. You know, our very name, Acts uh, Vintage Two Forty Two, is is founded in this Acts Two Forty Two you know, picture of the, of the first century church where they came together to adhere to the apostles teaching, to, to break bread together and to pray. And they shared all that they had in common. There's this picture of a community that was what God was stirring and drawing people into that was transforming the world in the community that these little churches existed. That's still God's plan. And that's still what he wants for us. And our independent nature in the Western church is just not a biblical cultural piece. And so we're we're it, there's this why behind we're, why we're doing groups the way we are. And there's nothing wrong with doing groups different ways. But the target for what we're about, the bullseye for who we are as a church is to become a community and to join Christ in community and have the spirit of God use us to build up and encourage. And the biblical term is edify one another to become like Christ. And so that's why we're doing groups the way we're doing them. And so what groups look like is, is one of the things that I've discovered. I've been overseeing small groups in churches for a handful of years now. And one of the kind of the catch things that I've started to recognize, everything evolves around this word share. You see it in that Acts 2 model where they shared all that they had in common. And so here's the perspective. And you've all experienced this. You just may not have necessarily lived toward it as a plan. But if you add anything to the word share... You're going to foster community. You share a meal together. You share an experience together. You share a trip together. You share resources together. You share a story together. You share time together. Anything that you do that there is an, you know, a, a, a multiple pieces of sharing taking place, you will find that you are experiencing and growing in community with people. This is why when you go on a short-term mission trip like the ladies did in, uh, in Guatemala... They came back and these ladies are still hanging out and feel like family because of the level of sharing that took place and the, the things that they encounter, the things that they experienced together. And so it's our role to offer as a church to say, hey, guys, this is the bullseye. This is what we're moving to, to become like Christ and to come, come like Christ because Christ is always leading us into community and the enemy is always wanting to move us off into isolation. So the target is, is this communal piece of being transformed into the image of who he is. But we have to have each other to do that. And then trying to facilitate three different circles that invite that to be a reality. But we can't choose for you to be in community. That's why even to the level of DNA groups, we're asking you to find who are the two or three people of the same gender that you want to sit down and have coffee with and, 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 be, and invest in each other's lives. Right? So, so the, the how we do this is so on, on, for instance, when we get together in a group, you know, we're trying to have you guys share a meal together. We want you to laugh together. We want you to tell stories. We want you to get to know each other. We want you to, to hear what, was, what is being taught. Everything's kind of focused around and anchored around a sermon series this fall. 
And you get the opportunity to ask questions of each other. And what did this mean for you? And and how are you applying this to your life? That you can have this commonality and this opportunity to get to know one another. And these groups exist for for 10 weeks. You know, we're we're asking that it's kind of a 10-week commitment that you're making. But the reality is, you know, when you experience chemistry with a group of people and the Spirit of God moves among you and fosters community, we hope that your group meets for five or ten years or the rest of your life because we want you to experience the life that comes when you find a spiritual family. Now, you can, keep, you can continue on in following. We can all continue on following the pattern of the Western church, and you'll, you may stay here and try to find some friends and everything else and then move on to another church after a year or two. But when you find your family, you're not looking to move. It's the most life-giving thing that you'll experience in your week when you find community that is there to build up and encourage you in your life to be transformed in the image of Christ. Stephen, I had a professor, Bob Tuttle, who once, who once said in class, he said, when I know that I'm loved, I'm strong. When I have emotions and moments where that feels questioned, I become weak. And we all need brothers and sisters to be able to know that they, are, they have our back. I know that I, I know that I know this is a tough time, but I know that I'm loved. And then we can be strong and walk through that. And that is who God is, and that's what he wants to foster among us. So the way we do groups, we throw things together at a table, and we ask you to share as much as you can, as many different types of share, because I know that God wants to move in that, and he wants to lead your group. And there's nothing wrong with doing amazing things, and I throw out these names because they're so dynamic. You know, Beth Moore or, you know, Blackaby's book on experiencing God, you know, as great as those are as resources, there is so much more life that comes when you meet together for one another than meet to just gain information to hopefully one day be able to pass that information along. That's the Western model of education. It is not the New Testament model of life. And so we intentionally, nothing wrong with those things, and we will do groups that have teaching involved in them and and studies and everything else. But the purpose in which we come together is to step into what the New Testament's calling us to, and that's to be a community. That's good. So in all of that, what I want you to hear is this nature, we believe in family. It's not just Jesus and me, it's Jesus and we. And I would even challenge you to go read some of your favorite verses like John 3:16. for God so loved the world. There's a we language. We, we love Jeremiah 29 for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord's plans to prosper and to harm you. That's only spoken in context of the whole people of God. He was not speaking about individuals. He was speaking about the people of God as a we Now, does that mean it doesn't apply to individuals? No, but it's only in context of individuals as we relate together as we. And so our community groups then, our small groups are for the very very purpose of trying to build this family, trying to build this we together. So so with that being said, here's our philosophy. So let's dive into the practical questions of small groups. So, Scott, tell us when do small groups start and when do we start signing up? Yeah, so you can sign up. I mean, we, we put them up this week. You can sign up at the lobby. Uh, at the computer, you can go home and, and just look on our webpage and sign up. Um, it's, a, it's a simple process. Um, let me just kind of tell you real quickly about what we're doing. So uh, ideally, you know, there, there are two different types of things going on. We're doing something new this fall that we haven't done before. We're going to have a Wednesday night piece here at the church. And um, Geraldine is going to open up the village, and she has a program, a discipleship program, that she's going to walk through with kids back in the village 
and be, be sewing into the kids that come on Wednesday nights. And she's excited about that. And while they're back there doing their piece, we're going to have either in here or in the new community room, have tables set up where if you sign up to come on Wednesday night, you either are signing up to sit at a men's table or a women's table or a couple's table. And it's going to be, you know, bring a sack dinner and uh, and share a meal together and then sit down and and kind of walk through what did uh, what was the, the anchor piece each week is is the sermon. You know, again, it's back to Acts 242 kind of adhering to the teaching. And, and where is this becoming a reality and a truth in our life? And how can we encourage each other in in what God is leading us to um, to become? So. All right, so the first, so sign-ups begin ASAP, and then actually begin the week of September. Yeah, September 13th, and go for 10 weeks, so we end the week before Thanksgiving. Um, that was the Wednesday night version of groups. There are also groups that meet in people's, that meet in people's homes or different places. So we have some women's groups that meet, you know. Uh, we'll talk about those in, in a minute, but, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday night. So if Wednesday is not a day that works for your calendar, we have other options uh, to be able to sign up. Yes, yeah, so with that in mind, why don't you just kind of take your sheet out and kind of okay. walk through some of those. So here's the deal. You want to know when these meet and who people are. We're going to name some of them right here. So so if, if Scott names your name, he's going to talk about who you are, what night. You can get a kind of eye for who these people are and yeah, so as I, as I call out your name, if you just kind of stand up and remain standing, I'm just these are the first the first group of names are the people that are kind of hosting a table on the Wednesday night piece. So Sandy Gillum is uh, is looking to host a women's table. Woo-hoo, Sandy, Carl Durant, uh, Durant. He was here at the first service. Uh, Darren and Tara Gladio, um, They were here at the first service. Ed Fortier, uh, the uh, the other half of the team headbands. That'd be team headbands right there. Yes. Um. Aaron and Rebecca Lay, Walt and Sheila Anderson, I know they were here first service, Graham and Elizabeth Kosick, Catherine Harbour is going to do a, a women's table, David and Elaine Gillum, and Gary and Ella Givens. Uh, I think they're in Europe right now. Um, so it's hard for them to stand up, but maybe they are. Maybe. What time is it in Europe? Uh, it's five hours ahead. Okay, so they might be sleeping. Well, I guess they're walking around maybe. All right, and then the other groups that are going on during the week. On Monday nights, Deborah Seaver is going to be leading a, a women's group at her home, 7, 7 p.m. She lives in Seven Hills. Um, uh, Josh and Rebecca Robertson are going to lead a, a couples group here. They're actually going to meet here at Vintage at 6.30 on Monday nights. Um, Summer Penley is leading a women's group at her home in Seven Hills at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays. Uh, Nick and Kathy Gosha are leading a group Tuesday uh, evenings. They're going to meet here at Vintage. Uh, David Howell has an ongoing group of men uh, that they're opening up for more men to be able to come be a part of on Wednesday night, separate from the uh, the Wednesday night connecting piece. And uh, and then Steve Setzer and Martha Daughtry have had an ongoing group that they're opening up a couple spots for for more people to come join them in, in the life that they're finding in community. And they meet, they're going to meet on Sunday, Sunday nights at 630 in a couple of different people's homes. So um, if you have any questions about that, I'll be in the lobby and. If they can, some of them are going to hang out uh, just for me to be able to introduce you to them. But I'm wide open for questions. Fantastic. So, again, let's just restate in like one sentence. I can't do one sentence. You can, you're going to do it, man. I'll hold you accountable so to it. I love you, though, but you're awesome, okay? <laughs> one sentence, ultimate goal for each group. There can be commas in there, dude. I'm telling you. Ooh, I, I, I'm, the, I'm the king of run-on sentences. Um, to experience... The life that Jesus has for you in the spirit as he leads you into community and you get to know 
one another and choose one another and care for one another unlike you've ever experienced by trying to live an isolated Christian life. Hey, good job. Do you like that? Yeah, that's pretty good, man. Okay, dude. All right. So with that, what kind of this name some real practical expectations that maybe we have of yep. them and that they can have of us. Right. In this so here's one thing to, to realize. And this is why we've I've kind of talked about community as a target. My challenge, and I said this to the infusion group and we talked about about discipleship. You know, my challenge is for, for community to be a primary goal in your Christian faith, because where it's not, you're missing out on the kingdom. But if you make that a bullseye of, the tar- of one of the targets that you're called to, to become like Christ, and you have to have community in order to be able to do that, then whatever your, your small group experience is, I can't tell you what you're, in, what you're going to encounter in this 10 weeks in the fall. I've, you know, every small group that I've overseen has a different personality and a different character. And for some groups, man, they just take off like a rocket and experience community right out of the chute. And for other groups, people have to go through groups three or four or five times before they start to find and foster community with other people. There's a chemistry thing that takes place and there's no pixie dust that I can sprinkle over it. But I can say that if you pursue Christ and pursue Christ in community, he will lead you to to find and to foster life giving relationships that transform your life and your family and the community that you live in. Because that's who he is and that's what he's doing. So don't give up on what your experience has been or what your experience is. Keep pressing forward, and I promise that he has a timing. He has the right people to lead you into life with. That's right. Good. And so, and so again, I want you to hear that. It's like we recognize small groups can be awkward, get to know people, different personalities and stuff. What we are asking and expecting is that in the context of family, that you are pushing through the awkwardness to engage the heart. Because it's real simple. If Jesus thinks they're worthy of being loved, then we need to figure out what's worthy about them being loved and begin to love them that way. Okay. All right. Last thing is this, Scott, just tell us real practically today. How can they go get plugged in? Um, it's simple. Just just sign up. If there's uh, any of those specific people that you want to sign up for, then just let me know and we will uh, we'll, we'll move you into their table or their group. But um, it's, it's very simple on, online. Just uh, come see me at the table or sign up uh, on your computer at home. Awesome. All right. So our theme for the fall, I'm going to just briefly speak about this because I want you to begin to think about it. I want you to allow God to begin to stir it in you, and I want to just begin to pray for us. I do ask that you would pray for our small groups. I believe that if you and we will pray for our small groups in this season, they will be a whole heck of a lot better than if we didn't pray. So I want to encourage and ask God to begin to pray with us in this. Our theme for the fall is the word empowered. The word empowered. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 Peter speaking, uh, this inspired by the Holy Spirit, says his speaking about Jesus, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his own goodness. This is a beautiful picture here where Peter's coming and speaking and saying, listen, God's divine power is already past tense. When we gave our lives to Jesus, given you, given us everything that we need to live a godly 
life, set apart for the purposes of God. And I think that theologically, many of us, we may believe this to a degree, but if we're completely honest, we would say, I, I, I know it says that, but I'm not real sure how it plays out in my life. It may play out well in yours, but I'm not really seeing the godliness factor really, really high on my godliness, like holiness list over here. I see other people, but some things askew in my own life. And so we want to come for this upcoming study, this upcoming just family time together and say, okay, Peter, did you really mean that? And were you really inspired by the Holy Spirit when you wrote that? Because if it's true, then it's true for us who know Jesus. And if it's then true and it's true for us to know Jesus, then it is true past tense, which means it's true for us today and can be and should be true for us tomorrow. John Piper says this, all who were led by this, listen, read along with me, all who were led by the spirit of God are children of God, all part of the family. The mark, the sign of being God's child is divine power. And the mark of power is godliness. He defines it, which means a love for the things of God and a walk in the ways of God. So in this moment, right, we are led, we are children, and the mark then of being God's child is that divine power rests in us, and then we express it in our life, right? And the mark then of this being true is this godliness, where we have a love and a primary affection. Hear that? A pro, listen, a primary, number one affection for the things of God in our lives and our walk looks like Jesus. And so this fall, we're like, listen, I know, guys. Like, I get it. You're reading this going, that sounds great in theory. I'm not sure it's really going to happen in my life in the fall. But I want you to know it's Jesus' desire and goal for you to step into this. We will... Step. Listen, we were going to take second. We're going to take Second Peter one here. We're going to look at other places. But we're going to dive into the reality of God's divine power being given to His children, the expression of it in our lives, what that looks like, how it happens, what our responsibility is versus God's responsibility. In that, we're going to look at the need for humility in the midst of this, because humility is the pathway of God's grace being poured out. Basically, humility is the doorway that opens up the movement of God into our lives. And we're going to dive into all of this. And my hope and my prayer is that as we do this, as you begin to challenge one another in the context of family, having honest conversations, honest tension points, honest struggles, we begin to see breakthrough and we get done with this, then God will move. I was sharing, I was talking to someone after service today and he said, Steve, the other day I had this picture, and I'm not going to name the person who, was, who she was talking about. I saw someone at Vintage, and they were in this group of people, and I saw them like in this Superman pose, something like this. And she said and there, was a, there was a glass ceiling above all the people at Vintage, and I saw this person with their fist punching it as hard as they could because they wanted and desired breakthrough. But I saw a crack in the glass, and that's what we're believing God. I saw a crack in the glass, even I, and I 
see that God is this resoluteness in this person's eyes, that this we're going to see this breakthrough. And we believe that this, this word empowered, empowerment, the movement of God, the awakening to the truth of God in our lives of what God is doing. And so this morning, Scott, you can go ahead and go and get behind your desk back there in this computer so we can do sign-ups this morning. But that was good. I want to stay here. High five on that one. But, all right. but I think the point is this, as we dive into this empowered and some power meant this morning, even as I'm going to go, y'all can go ahead and come, Harvest and Tabitha. Tabitha is Harvest's sister, by the way, who was playing with Harvest this morning. Woo-woo. Yes, it's awesome, right? Don't you love those obligatory claps? That's so fun. So anyway, oh, that's awesome. So, but I think the point this morning as we dive in, to this uh, over the upcoming weeks is we truly, truly want you to engage this call of God to be empowered. So this morning we're going to go into ministry time and, and you're like, we didn't even talk about anything this morning except, except small groups. But the fact is, that's true. But the fact is this, God has already empowered. He is in the process of empowering. He has brought breakthrough into your life and he wants to continue to do that. And so this morning we have ministry teams available on both sides. And we're going to pray because we believe that some of you came this morning and said, hey, that's awesome about adult discipleship, but I'm dying. I need Jesus to move. I need breakthrough in my life. And the good news is this. God doesn't need a, real, a human to speak some profound message for him to then move. Right? He just wants to move because he loves us. And so this morning we're going to go to a time of worship and a, just a time of allowing God to, to move in our lives and to invite him to move. And some of you need to just say, hey, this word empowerment's been, been broached and I feel the complete void of that in my life. But you say it's present. So let's begin this process of then questioning God, saying, God, what's going on? Where are you moving? And Jesus, would you bring breakthrough? That's you this morning. I invite you to come. I invite you to come to the altar. I invite you to come and get prayer. I invite you to take communion as a celebration of worship of the work that Jesus has done to bring empowerment, to bring breakthrough in your life. Let's not leave this morning without connecting with Jesus and allowing him to do something powerful and new in our lives. And then when you get up to leave, you just go outside and sign up for a small group and it'll be good. Okay. So we're going to worship for a bit, then Harvest is going to then officially release you. So I encourage you to respond as the Lord leads. First time guests, just so you know, we have offering baskets right here on both sides. And you can give as the Lord leads. If you fill out a community a connection card, just leave it either on your chair. Or if you have not gotten a first time gift yet, Jason's back here and he wants to give you one and take your card from you. Is everybody good with all of that? Amen. You guys have a great week.